welcome, brother. Welcome to the best of days. How are you? Good, good, man. I was watching on college football and uh, just kind of upset because everybody is getting upset. <laughs> what does that mean? Um, uh, upset is when the you know the person that's favored to win is uh, oh upset in that sense. I thought you were mad. Yeah. People were mad. So people are mad. I am mad upset. I, I am mad because I had them on my parlay. I think you and others were saying that it was a guaranteed win for that team. Yeah, so it's an upset. <laughs> it's funny. As soon as you said that, in my mind, I was like, what if it doesn't go that way, though? <laughs> Here yeah, I am. Yeah, that's what, and the person favorite to win is usually, my goodness. It's all, I did a part. I did a one, two, three, five-team parlay. That means I picked five teams to win. And I would have won some money, but one of them lost. And the team that lost had no business losing. So yeah. Yeah, that's a rough one. All right. We'll have to talk about it more, but lessons learned. Don't gamble. It ain't worth it. <laughs> right. Please don't. Um, I talk about this all the time. On alphacology about our vices and about our bad habits, and I stepped away from from the game, and I just I think I got it under control. But just to be on the safe side, it was just free play. I don't know if you know what free play is, but it's their way of telling you, "Hey, come gamble. We'll give you money." Work. So I took that. We'll give you money, and I actually want real money. Instead of instead of just taking their money and leaving and waiting to them, they give me more free play. I was like, let me see if I could double this. And soon I did that. They got their money back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still broke even, but it's still like, oh damn. But if you, um, if you like that. But let's yeah. kick off the show. We'll get into I don't, it. I don't mind. You know, I'm a man that takes risks, so I don't mind. There you go. I like it. All right, let's kick this off. Let's have some fun. Let's see. I'm forgetting how to run this board. Hold up. Congratulations. You're right on time for the Make It Move show with... Mufasa and Poppy Knox. They are totally considerate. Baby, you're not here to try to figure me out. You just need to figure out what I need from you. And if I, I'm going to tell you what I need from you. Very humble. And it feels good to be me. Always respectful. Fuck what you said. <laughs> Thank because you, sometimes That makes me That warms my heart. Truly sympathetic. Most guys don't get it. They don't get the game. They don't even want to play the game. And instead of just um, doing the little bit of work to know what you and I know, like on this one topic even, they would rather make an excuse for not knowing the work. Absolute humanitarians. You know what I'm saying? Stay masculine and always make that person understand you are not that important in my life. Exactly. You give off that energy and it was good. Completely unstoppable 
is the name of the game. That's why we're always making moves. We're always make, getting better than the last day. Always growing. The making moves show begins right now. Alright, alright, alright. Always a good time when I hear that. Wait, because I'm eating as I talk and getting those calories in, enjoying the day. Got my girl here before she heads off to work. How about you? What are you up to right now? Oh, nothing, man. Just relaxing, enjoying this Saturday. Football Saturday. Yes, I forgot about that life. I haven't watched a full season of football since the 90s. And in the 90s, I consider it the golden age of sports. Everybody was on fire. It was exciting. You had the 90s for football was like, I would watch Dan Marino, Troy Aikman, who else was out there that I really liked, Deion Sanders. Wait, am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah. I'm with play football. Uh, yeah. um, Troy Montana. Oh, man. Legends, and then every sport was on point. Troy Aitman, Joe Montana. I'm trying to think those, of others. Those were the good old days where they was tough. Yeah, yeah, the game was totally different. It wasn't as technical as it is. And every sport, the same story. The game is more technical than it was athletic. The game, the game has changed. A lot of teams do the same shit. Even though it's more popular now. Football, football naturally yeah. going to be more popular because it's basically the biggest sport where you play 11, 22 men on, are on the field. So, of course, it's going to be bigger. And it's a small season, but um, it's very unpredictable right now. Um, yeah. Oh, so it is unpredictable because I was say, I was thinking maybe that uh... – this is actually not even the topic that we're going to talk about, but I do want to have this conversation with you. Is, is it from the outside perspective looking in back in the nineties, I love football more than any other sport simply because it seemed like the one sport where every team had a fair shot at making it to the finals, to the Super Bowl. And now I feel like maybe only four or five teams have that shot. Am I here? Am I seeing that correctly? Uh, in a sense that yeah. some teams are buying wins, if you will. You know what? It's more uh, it's more predictable. It's more unpredictable as in, you know, like they say, one of my favorite movies, Any Given Sunday, where yeah. the playing field and the technology, with all the technology, mm-hmm. makes it very, very, very um, unpredictable sometimes. But the teams that are favored to win end up winning, per se. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I, I understood that with baseball. Um, I don't know what the NBA looks like today. And don't get me wrong. I'm NBA not taking away from NBA is also – look, NBA is also born. Really? Whoa, whoa. I didn't grow up with base, basketball being born. All right. Well, the NBA is born like this. Like, it's a lot of teams that model their team after Golden State, where they jack up a lot of three point shots. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's getting fucking boring. You know, a three point shot will never be as fun as a mid range fadeaway jumper or a dunk. So they're like, 
all these teams are like assembling these team full of people who can just shoot real good. Yeah. Instead of actually play the game of basketball. And um and it's got to be it's the same thing with yeah. like warfare or I'm trying for some reason I think of it as war. Like this is the closest approximation that most people will get to war. Back in the day, men used to fight in wars. Yeah, like now we fight in football and all that. And yeah. when you're thinking about football. it, or I'm just going to say this real quick. Like in the NBA sense, when you have a lot of three-pointers, three-point shooters on the team, it's like watching a war, a battle play out, but everybody's an archer or everybody's a sniper. Like that's a boring-ass war. These people are just picking up people before they even get a shot to, to, to do some damage. And it, absolutely, that's got to be boring to watch. Yeah, <laughs> so it's just it's refreshing when you see a team that actually plays the game of basketball. Like we grew up seeing it play with Jordan with the mid range. Ah, uh, yeah, we nothing's more entertaining to watch than mid range guys uh, shooting mid range contested jumpers. And actually, you still need that to win a championship. That's what people don't know. Um, That's good to hear. Yeah, and I won't. I won't, gotta, I won't push it too. You still much. gotta drive the lane. You still like. I. You still gotta drive the lane. You still gotta shoot. You know. You still got a lot of stuff that makes me say, "Shit, make me say, damn, I wish I could do that." Yeah. But nowadays, you just got a lot of step back and shoot far jump shots. So yeah. maybe in the future we got to do a whole episode on this because what you're bringing up, or maybe we got to do it right now and just scratch our other idea because it's interesting that you said what you just said because what you said is that, or what I'm hearing and what you're saying is that our our young boys and including ourselves are watching this and and they're not seeing the easy these out. guys as heroes the way that we saw the the 90s players as heroes. And I'm not aspiring to be that exactly. better person because even, of them. I've seen a less – it's a less physical game like it used to be. And yeah. therefore, maybe it prolongs careers. Maybe it – Oh, joins. that's a good point. So even foot, especially football and basketball, when you spread the players out and just throw passes, it's going to be less physically mm-hmm. ta- uh, taxing God. versus – um, you lining up in power eye formation and pounding the damn ball down on somebody's <laughs> the concussions, the concussions, man. I don't give a damn, but I know for a fact, as you know, high school football coach, the team that's the most physical will always win. The team that knows how to run the ball good and know how to shove the ball down people's throat, they always win. Yeah, they all okay. That's good to know. So the team, same shit here, even in college football. When you get to the championship level, where the teams mm-hmm. are evenly matched, the team that plays more physical, more violent, more aggressive, wins the damn game. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. That's the way I think it should be, because that's how life is played. And even though we may not like it, people will, not you and I, but yeah. people will complain that it shouldn't be that way. It should be fair and everyone should have a shot. And it's like, no, violence is a very real aspect to a lot of things in life. 
and I'm not necessarily talking about physical violence, but being aggressive and imposing, there are those characters that are always just going to have more. And that's why we need to talk about these man movies, man. There you, go. Movies. there you go. So that's what I we got. knew it was gonna come back because every every movie I always say if nothing's getting shot up, uh blown up, beat up, mm-hmm. is it really a fucking movie? Like <laughs> if nobody's blowing shit up and shooting at shit and people not having sex, is it really some shit I'm gonna sit there and watch? I like that. I like that. I like that. I'm I now I'm thinking of all right. So here's what we do. I'm gonna talk to the listener right now and say I got my five movies. Mufasa has his top five, and we're going to go back and forth and talk about our movies. And now I'm looking at my list. I want to see if I have things blowing up, but there's definitely some conflict on the screen. I got some things that might not fit that rubric, but I like it. So you already brought up one of your movies. Talk about it some more since we're on the sports topic. Well, one of my movies is... um... Is no particular order, right? Mm-hmm. Any given Sunday. Mm-hmm. With Jamie Foxx, Al Pacino. If you ever get a chance to watch that movie, it was it was a very uh much a art imitates life movie. Dope. Right? So art imitating life, and it was basically the ins and out of professional football. But it was a you know, it was a fictional story, but it was a lot of non-fictional fictional storylines like the backup quarterback who is now the superstar starting quarterback he actually had more talent than the starting quarterback mm. but they had him on the bench because you know his they was paying the starting quarterback more yeah so as business, hey, we need my starting quarterback to produce. We got all this money in him. And then, you know, the new coach. And the coach oh, this isn't college football. This is um, – I always assumed it was about a college football story. No, this is a professional, the Miami. Oh, that's exciting. The make-believe Miami Sharks, Willie Beeman. You know, Jamie Foxx played Winnie, Willie Beeman, the dynamic black quarterback who know how to scramble and run real fast. And it's so weird because – you know, be, me being from the environment I, I'm in, I was used. That's why it used to confuse me because I'll see these white quarterbacks who were slow and just good at throwing the ball. I'm like, bro, mm-hmm. all the fucking quarterbacks I played was the damn near the fastest person on the team. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so it was like, yo, they, like even when I used to watch the NFL, I'm like, Yo, all the quarterbacks I have to chase and I had to play against were fucking dangerous. Like they could beat you with, with their arm and their feet. And um, it's just like it was non-existent a little bit in the NFL. You only had a couple scrambling. They call them scrambling quarterbacks, or you know, we ran the triple option. So when I watched that movie, it made more sense because of you know him being a black quarterback. And the whole racism thing, and <laughs> it's a lot of um, mm-hmm. innuendos that movie was pertaining to, and it's a little bit different now. Okay, you know now nowadays we have more quarterbacks that are very very much athletic because everybody wants to run the spread and run an RPO, which is a run pass option, and you cannot do the run pass option play if you're fucking slow. So. <laughs> 
Okay. So I see they do the RPOs now, even in the NFL. And a guy I used to coach, Lamar Jackson, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's changed. Wait, yeah. that name sounds familiar. They were talking about NFL the MVP. Show. Yeah, okay. NFL, NFL MVP. I used to coach him. Great kid. There you go. Good for you, brother. Great kid. He was always, always a good leader. Always, he was very competitive and very fast, extremely fast. Um. They, he was so fast, they tried to play, make him play receiver, but no, he's a quarterback. And Dope. that's the love of the game. And I thought it was a good innuendo of showing how men um, interact at the highest levels mm-hmm. of professional sports in that movie. And it predicted a lot of shit <laughs> that we see seeing now. So it was, it was a, it was a hit. That movie was ahead of its time. Yeah. But, um, I gotta check that, it out, man. Check out Al Pacino. He was a great, and you've been telling me this almost since we he met. was a drunk. You could tell, like, his, his, um, his character was like a drunk, stressed out coach. Like, I have to win now or I'm going to lose my damn job type shit. And he, it basically exposed like he wasn't paying attention. He didn't know his team. He didn't know the talent he had because he had the wrong leader in there, basically. Yeah, because you were talking about that starting versus the backup. Okay, I feel you. Yeah. So, um, if I were to tell anybody who's looking to be a leader, a coach, a sports coach, I'm like, man, you need to sit down and watch this movie. Because if you look at it and you analyze it, you can see a lot of mistakes you can make when you're you make when you're under stress. You and you can't lead while you're under stress correctly. No, certainly not. <laughs> so, not at all. It was a great movie. I'm not gonna lie. Um, what? Any given Sunday, check it out. I don't know if it's on Hulu, HBO. It's always on Amazon, so I can always buy I, it. I, it was very hard for me to fight. I, I was fighting myself. But his oh, next yeah. movie. Well, that's why. Really, your next one, we can go back and forth. And, oh yeah, and bro, we'll I really got seven movies that like. A oh, I got a whole bunch too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my top five. I might throw in a six man there, but at the end of the day. Um, this is no exhaustive list, and I imagine that we're gonna do this again. So I'm not even worried about all the extras that we can't pop in because there are so many movies that are worthwhile for men to watch. And I love the way that you talk about any given Sunday. Al Pacino is one of my favorite actors. He does this thing very well, no matter what context. He's always just thrilling to watch on screen. And so it's funny because when we started this, you were saying that um, if there's no explosions in the movies is a really a good movie but in this case there is explosions in your movie because i know the way al pacino is and he, his personality his charisma is explosive in everything that he does including the quieter roles like the first is the first role that really put him on the map in the godfather so you see the brother al pacino on the roster like you know it's going to be a good cast it's going to be a good movie and it's going to be explosive in a different way So I'm going to quiet it down, though, and I'm going to go, I think this is back in the 50s, maybe the 60s. 
And my movie is <clears throat> To Catch a Thief. And I'm pretty sure most people have never even heard. Yeah, you see, you just said what I was about to say. Never heard that shit, Exactly. Bro. And it's never an old movie from the 60s. There's an actor that I never really liked. His name is Cary Grant. And it's a movie about a man that served time in prison because he used to be a cat burglar. He would go into these millionaire ma- mansions and rob them blind. And he was really fucking good at it. Um, he was also a man that served in World War II. He just happened to have this other life after he came out of the military. And then one day he gets caught, he goes to jail. The movie starts off with him being a free man out after his prison time. And you're just exploring the many different things that he's just living a nice life. He happened to have some money stashed away. So he gets to live the way that he wants to. I believe it takes place in the south of France. So we're talking about Cannes region on the French Riviera. It's all in English, though. And then you just have characters from all over the world. And the movie is about him trying to dodge the cops while he proves that he is not the latest new cat burglar that's robbing millionaires blind. And he knows it's not him because it's obviously not him. And he's like, who is pretending to be me trying to frame me? And it's just about that adventure. The reason I bring it up, though, especially for men, is that this was the movie that helped me think about my own masculinity. I never consciously thought about what it is to be masculine. And then this movie, someone directed me towards it. They're like, think about yourself in context of this guy. Not to say that I got to be like this man, but look at the way he decides to be a man. And and what's really good about it, to the point where I tell other people to go watch it, is that whenever guys are having a hard time talking with girls, especially on dates, and they want to be witty, they want to be quick, witted, and they just don't know how to pull that off, I tell them to go watch this movie. And what's great is the way that whenever a woman is on screen with this character, he never takes the woman seriously. Not in a disrespectful way, but he just, he treats them like a kid sister and he teases them and he plays with them and they love it. Even though in some cases he's actually just ignoring them. He's just, he's like, all right, you're saying silly things. So I'm not even going to entertain it. And that is a powerful skill set to have, to not take women seriously, even if they, you think that what they're talking about is a serious thing. They're just doing what women do, which is like they talk about whatever comes to their mind, even if it's not helpful or constructive. And he's very playful with it to a point where he can help a woman realize, oh, I'm being silly. Let's go back to having fun. So I love that about that. Um, how he talks with women and then on top of that it's just how he presents himself to the world even under this immense pressure where everybody is after him everyone wants to accuse him of a crime he didn't commit he is still calm cool collected and in his own style he's suave debonair tall dark mysterious provocative he's all the things that all men are and i think it's a great way to learn out what kind of man are you going to be what is your version of this guy? Yeah. Mm. To catch yeah, a thief. What's this movie called? Yeah, I want to say it's like 1959, maybe 1963. The lead character is Cary Grant. Who is the other 
people in it. It's one of those, it's a very white film. So it's one of those things, like, if you don't know white culture, which I don't, um, it, it's all those people that other people be like, oh, yeah, that's a very famous person. I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. All I know is this is an actor that I didn't care about until I saw that movie. I still don't care about his other movies, but in that movie, he's solid to catch a thief. And yeah, it's one of those things that most people will probably never see and don't even know it exists, but there's a lot of good gems in it. Yeah, so that was my first one. I'm doing it in the order that they came out. So all the movies from now on will be older or younger than that one. And maybe more people will be familiar as I go. Mm. All right. So here's my next one, right? Hold on. Let me pull it up. Let me pull it. Mm. All right. I got like seven, but this one, this one hit me later. This was always a cool film for me to watch when I was a little boy. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. It's a great movie for my Red Pill brethren out there. And all right, it's called. It sounds good so far. It's called Blade with Wesley Snipes. Hey, yeah. the original one, yo, the original Blade. Listen, bro. Listen, just hear me out. Oh, I'm on your side already. Blade. They was trying to kill him mm-hmm. because he was something special. They was trying to uh, kill him for his melanin. <laughs> in a world full of white van, blood-sucking vampires, they needed his blood. They was trying to kill him for his melanin. Is that what it was? I don't even remember it that well. Yeah, oh. they was trying to kill him for his blood. Really, I say melanin because it's something special. So I look at it the same way. Um, they was trying to get him up out of there so he won't um, procreate. You know what I'm saying? Or do anything crazy. But he was using all his weapons of the earth. Like sunlight, garlic, you know, the silver knives and all that shit to basically defeat their asses. Um, It's a great movie. I'm actually going to watch it again now that I'm 30. It's it's one of those movies you're going to watch it every time. And you'll be like, damn, I didn't notice this shit. Yes, yeah, you can relate a lot to life. It's kind of like that red pill life. Everybody like to say, "Oh, I'm red pill," and they walk around, um, blue pill people all day. So he was basically a half vampire walking around, yeah. blue vampires all day, and they were jealous of him because like he could that. walk. He's a they called him a day walker. He could walk in the. You're jogging my memory because I've seen it a few times. Walk, yeah, he's a day walker. He could walk in the light. And you know he was kicking everybody ass, and it's it's basically an analogy for life, like you know because um how can I put this in a nice way? Because I don't want all y'all thinking y'all blade, but this was like a lone wolf. He was like an alpha male, man. He lived in his own lane, stayed in his own environment. He knew what he had to do. Um, with that being said. They couldn't turn him, even though he was surrounded by a whole society of vampires. They 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 yeah. couldn't turn him into one of them, and that's cool for my red pill brethren. You're surrounded by all these motherfuckers that's trying to turn you into one of them. 
you know, trying to give you vaccines, trying to pollute your mind. You know what I'm saying? And um, when they can't do that, what they try to do, cancel you, kill you, whatever, whatever, make you irrelevant. They try. So, yeah, I always looked at Blade as a, as a shoot. I was just like, man, they could have just made this shit being a black man in America at the end. Of the- <laughs> you see, I never looked at it as a racial thing, but there's a yeah, lot of good I mean, points that you're bringing you're not up. Supposed to, but. Bro, all the bad guys in the damn movie was white. <laughs> yeah, for some reason I never thought about that. Like, I, like it's obvious. Y'all can't find this nigga. Y'all, it's a whole white world. He's the only black. <laughs> Yo, it's funny because I never thought about it in a racial context. In fact, everything that you're saying about Blade is how I feel about the Incredible Hulk. Whenever I see that character in a movie, I think, all right, this is a black man dealing in a white world, and it makes perfect sense to me. But this is an obvious movie where that same conversation is being had. And I never thought to see Blade as a racial commentary on on where we are. And it's a dope ass movie. That's a Blade is a dope ass character. You could damn near make a whole. I was praying Netflix or somebody did a television series on Blade. I watched that shit. Ooh, yeah, because a lot of killing vampires and shit like that. And he always had all that fucking leather on. No, absolutely. He was badass. And that was one of the first movies. I'm trying to think of anything else, but it was one of the first movies where remember that that introduction scene? Because he's Bro, like in oh, some underground shit. rave and he kills I, like 50 guys at once. I've like I've never seen that yeah. in a movie before. Like outside of kung fu movies, that Bro, never happened. They're, they're, hopefully they don't ruin it, but they're making a whole new blade. I just I've heard that. Yeah. It's a new blade coming out. Supposedly uh, Maharshala Ali. So I can physically see it, but if it's going to be a Disney okay, movie, he kind of look like Wesley. Stein yeah, exactly. But if it's, a, I like him as an actor, but I don't know if it's the right role. And if it's a Disney movie, then I'm going to be concerned. But if it's another, yeah, is, you see, it's probably, exactly, it's probably going to be a love interest in that motherfucker. It, they're going to water it down. They're not going to make it rated R, and it, it's going to be like another Black <laughs> Panther, and and uh, so it's uh, just that character deserves to be dark, gritty. I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to shit all over that new film of Blade. <laughs> I'll give it a fair shot, but I don't expect I much just from it. No, they're gonna pussyfy. I just oh no, no, absolutely, absolutely. It, it has to be done in the way it was in the '90s. And remember, the '90s was Wesley Snipes. That was the era of Wesley Snipes, and it's a shame that he had to go to jail for some time because of the tax stuff. But at the end of the day, he he was. It was him and Denzel, the way I remember. Brown, man. You know what? I forgot to put that on. You know what? That's another list. Uh, like I said, we're going to do lots of these episodes. I know for a fact we will. Because there's a lot of terrible movies that come out every day, every week, every month. But the classics that you and I both love, there's hundreds of them. So we could easily do this like once a month and it would never get old. Oh, man. Uh, so... Yeah. Actually, let's not talk about it too much, but I will say Wesley Snipes ran the 90s. He was funny. He was dramatic. He was provocative. He looked good. He could fight. He could talk with the ladies. He could do it all. He could kill monsters. He could kill vampires. And he could, one of my favorite movies is Drop Zone, which is basically Fast and Furious before Fast and Furious came out, but with uh, skydiving instead of cars. He did it all, man. He did it all. He could be in a Spike Lee movie and he could be in a Michael Bay movie. It was all good. 
Yeah, man. I really enjoy that. Um, what's it called? Um, you know what? Never mind. Oh, just that. save it for the next time we got because i already yeah, said a couple yeah. movies that i would want to talk a, about it's a lot it's a lot of movies but um go ahead and say it but i have yeah, i'm just, glad you did because i almost forgot blade, about though, it blade really never got um its flowers back in the day but it was a solid ass movie exactly it still is it's it didn't age badly it, it gets better with time all three movies are good the first one is perfect when I say perfect, I mean just. And the haircut was badass. So good, <laughs> everything about it, because no one was looking like that, and they really took some risk, some creative risk, and it worked. And it it doesn't feel like you're watching a comic book movie. It feels grounded. Yeah, um, I wanna I wanna say that shit came out in uh, 1998, so I was a good uh, 19 years old, and yes. I I had a lot of movie experiences because. Uh, my dad used to take me to the movies. We used to movie hop. Okay, I like that. Back in the day, that was our thing, man. Saturday, my mom went to work, and my dad was like, yeah, we're going to hit the movies. My bad, I like that. I might have to do that with my... Well, in, in the future with my sons, it's not going to be the same. I don't even like the movies we have out right now. Yeah, I man. I'm not going to be excited for when they're kids. <laughs> man, listen, every Denzel, Wesley Snipe... Uh, Spike Lee movie that came out, my dad took me to see it. Dope. <laughs> oh man, that was probably inappropriate, but I'm I'm it glad you had that. Super inappropriate, but he didn't care. Because... <laughs> uh, thank you, Dad. All right, yeah, so, man. So I'm gonna bring it back to you. my last movie was from the '60s. This movie came out, I think, in 1987, and the movie is Predator. And it was one of those movies where it was the last of its kind. When it came out, there was no other movie like it because the culture was shifting away from having machismo men in the limelight. So when you look at the cast, it's all these guys, even the director, he had to put on some pounds to keep up with his, because he played a role. But I think it's like five or six guys and they're all jacked. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's... um. Carl Weathers, am I saying that correctly? Ah, and then uh, a bunch of what do you call it? Former WW, what we used to call WWF, which is now WWE uh, wrestler. What is his name? Stone Cold Steve Austin. No, that's not correct. Anyway, wait, wait, wait. hold on, say the movie again. Predator. Predator. The original Predator, one. Predator. Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So they went to Puerto Rico. They shot this movie and. A lot of people laugh at it, which is a shame. They laugh at the movie because they're like, oh, look at all these guys pretending to be extra machismo and tough and toxic masculinity, this and that. So when they watch it, they're actually laughing at it. But when you sit down to watch the movie, if you're high IQ anyway, like us, you're going to sit down and you're going to be like, okay, this is comical. And it's and it's grounded. It makes sense. And this is how these characters would live. This is what it is to be a man on your mission going into the jungle to execute your orders and then make it home as safely as possible. And in this case, they don't get to make it home safely. They, the mission is accomplished, but they don't get to make it home safely because they're picked off one by one by this alien that it is part of the like a rite of passage that it has to kill and then go back home and talk about their conquests. 
So there's this creature never before seen, and it's just in the jungle. It can it camouflage perfectly. Like the technology is ahead of its time, but like this guy can just blend in with anything. And Arnold Schwarzenegger is trying to figure out like what is this thing, and can it be killed? And you and it's that deductive reasoning that he does. That's what I love about it. Like it, it, there's a line that if it bleeds, it can die or it can be killed, something like that. And the reason I bring that up is that a lot of times we overthink a problem. But if you look at the problem for what it is and you're like, oh, wait, even if this is an alien, even though I've never seen it before, if I can make it believe that lets me know that, oh, okay, this can be killed. And it's the same with problem solving. You got to find that one aspect of it that's weak and being like, oh, wait, maybe this isn't such a bad thing after all. It's like if you're homeless, I used to be homeless. And right. it's like, all right, cool. I made a dollar today. Wait a second. If I made a dollar today, I could make more money tomorrow. And as long as I keep making more money, I will get out of the situation. So that's how you can take something big, nasty, scary, life ending and turn it into something that's like, oh, you know what? This is a cakewalk. I'm going to smile as I get out of this situation. And that's what Arnold Schwarzenegger does. He's like, all right, everybody's dying. I'm the last man left. But if I'm smart, if I use my wits and all my training and all my skills and all my past experiences, I can get out of this alive. And not only that, but I can win. And so it's just a whole lot of fun to see the men figuring that out, recognizing what where their power is and, and, and getting out of it alive as best as they can. Predator. It's probably the, it, it, they'll never make a movie like that. There have been a lot of great movies right. that demonstrate masculinity, but they will never have every main character outside of the expendables they will not ever have another movie where every main character is like six foot tall 200 plus that doesn't happen anymore and when it does happen it's one character and he's usually the butt of everybody's joke right i don't i don't like that i don't like that um so i saw that disney movie what is it guardians of the galaxy they have dave bautista Jack, big guy, but you're always laughing at him. You're not commending him for making good decisions. Uh, the Rock in any movie. <laughs> uh, so it's like you're always laughing at him. And don't get me wrong, he's funny. I'm not saying these are bad people. I'm just saying, isn't it funny that Hollywood wants you to laugh at these characters that are doing something that 99.9% of Americans won't do, which is go to the gym, spend hours in the gym every single week, to build and chisel themselves into like a Greek statue. It's a shame. Yeah, man. So that's my second. Predator. I gotta definitely watch that damn Predator. Um oh yeah. So let me go ahead and pull my list. It's back. got the greatest handshake of all time. <laughs> <laughs> now I don't know if you had this one on there. But uh again <laughs> If it ain't got violence, <laughs> sex, <laughs> is it a movie for real? Is it a movie? Is it a uh, movie? 300. Oh, I haven't watched that in a minute. Okay, go on. It was, I'm not even going to say between, anything. I want to hear from you. It was between 300 and Gladiator because, you know, that favorite Ooh. that favorite line. Are you not entertained? Yeah. 300 is easier to rewatch. 
Gladiator is one of those movies that the way you remember it is not the way that it actually plays out. So you're like, I forgot about this scene and that scene. There's a lot more yeah, talking yeah. than I thought. There's <laughs> a lot they put in these movies, but that 300, that's um, that's what I call um a football camp movie when you you want to get your players together and uh make them watch that. That's a real live. That was a real live great depiction of a brotherhood. Exactly. Um, we need more of that. Yeah, like I think it was 300 soldiers and they they wiped out half of the Persian army. Yeah, that was some gangster shit. And they all died. That's the crazy. That too. That <laughs> too. Like, they and, all it's ba- and, it, and, and it's based on a true story. Spartans and uh, they was it just goes to show you that if you were actually built up to train you was built up to kill and protect your you know your heritage your lineage uh, how far how far those people went to protect themselves mm. and assert them, their dominance they were, it was so crazy because it's true you know that's what sparked my interest back in college like I'm going to find out if they was really throwing babies over the side of the mountain so you just have a baby and they look at your baby and be like, uh-uh, this ain't gonna work. Supposedly, <laughs> that is that's how the legend goes, and and I understand it. Work. I understand it. If it this actually happened, work. I don't know for sure, but if it did, I I understand it. Oof, that's ruthless. And and the only sad, tragic thing about the Spartans is that they died out because they were so militaristic. They actually, it's in the book, The 48 Laws of Power. The way that Malcolm Gladwell talked about it is that they were so focused on being militaristic that they never did anything else beyond that. So they had nothing to leave behind. And that's probably why they died because they didn't diversify. They didn't. They didn't. Um, the Helots, um, actually, the people they enslaved, the, the second class citizens actually uh, just outnumbered them at the end of the day. Mm. To the point, to the point where, yeah, you kill like thirty of us by yourself, but it's only a hundred of y'all, and it's twenty thousand of us, and we ready to fight. <laughs> so you know what I'm saying? It's true. Oh, you're talking about the movie. I thought you were talking no, about the no, history. No, no, I'm talking about in real life. I'm talking. I'm talking okay, cool, cool, cool. The history of the no, no, absolutely, yes, yes. So, they're tra- they started training at seven years old, and um, shoot. I mean, in other cultures, and when I look through um, anthropology, 
they usually take the boys at seven and start raising them to be men. Nowadays, we don't start raising the boys to be men around until about goddamn 18, maybe 10, maybe 15. I'm going to say 15 because I've been working with these boys and they really got to get their mama titty out their mouth. Yeah. Um, it's weird because I'm just glad I had a tough upbringing. And yeah. Because of that, I had to grow up kinda, fast. I'm kind of glad to, you know, shoot, I got my girl when she wants to do this little verbal joust and she try to shame me about, oh, they didn't teach you this and they always just taught you to be tough. And I'm like, yeah, that's why you're here. Because <laughs> both you. of us can't Thank be you. fucking soft. You know what I'm saying? No, so, absolutely. When I was five years old, I was taking care of my younger brother, and he's four years younger than I. When I was, bro, when I was five, I was already doing. They had me working. I, I was on the back of my dad, my granddad, on my dad truck. Whatever, whatever the fuck they went to do, I did. I had to, because they, my dad was determined. Like you ain't finna be hanging around your mama all day. You know what I'm saying? So I like that. I like that. Well, good for you. Good for y'all. All right, we can keep it moving. Um, thank but, you for uh, that reminder. Yeah, but um, I wanted to highlight how. Oh yeah. I wanted to highlight how they got the the best of the best, who they thought were the best of the best, mm-hmm. and they took them on. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So Spartans, the Spartans, um, were mentally, they were tough, bro, and. To make a tough motherfucker, you kind of got to, it starts from a young age. You start grooming that toughness from a young age. It's going to be kind of, it's going to kind of suck to try to do it (laughs) once they hit, you know, 14, 15. It's a little bit harder because now when you're trying to make them tough, it's more psychological because you got to build them up. Yeah, they're very... Yeah, we have different. What do you call it? We don't have war like we used to. So that yeah, they just throw those boys in the woods and stuff like, man, you hear, yeah. you come, you come back, you either gonna die out there by yourself, or you gonna come back a man. And the closest <laughs> I had to it was Boy Scouts. And I don't know if you ever joined that organization, but that is the closest I got to thinking of myself as someone important in the community, and I had to learn certain skills so I could be useful in my community. Yeah, so that's that's pretty dope. Um, shit, my Boy Scouts was outside. <laughs> that environment right there. And like I said, I'm grateful that we both had the experiences yeah, that we, we had. They made had, us the men we, we are. It's that rite of passage. Yeah, so most back, of us don't I get was, that. Fortunately, you know, being the '80s baby back in the day, uh, before the everybody gets a trophy generation, um, everybody gets a helmet generation. That's what I call it. Everybody gets a football jersey. You actually had to make, <laughs> you actually had to make the team, bro. <laughs> you actually had to make the no, team. Yeah, I didn't like that. Imagine third, fourth grade that you had tryouts. <laughs> so I hated that. And they would give your parents their money back. Like, yeah, you're playing on this. For me, I played baseball. I played baseball and rugby, and there was this one year. Where I didn't team, bro. I didn't make the team because I didn't train. I didn't practice. Yeah, I thought I was all that. And And I moved to a new town, and I thought I was all that. And this is what I have with this new generation, where they're making softer men. Because even with these boys that I coach now, we had a couple guys 
that did not show up all summer to to football practice. No summer training, no nothing. They just showed up. You're allowed to do that and still be on the team? Yes, bro. That's what I'm saying. Like, yo. Yo, so, you know, growing up, you know tryouts coming. Your ass better be out there getting in shape so you can make the team. Exactly. And it sucks to do, but that's that's why it's so rewarding when you get on the team. But it's so it's literally like, yeah, I want to play football. Well, we still got some jerseys and helmets back there. So we- <laughs> <laughs> it's like Oprah just giving out a jersey to everybody. Okay. Yeah, so I like that three hundred. <laughs> you see, maybe I was born at the wrong time because I could never play football because I didn't have the body for it. So whenever I showed up to the tryouts, it was like, dude, you're in the wrong place. Get out of here. Go play baseball. <laughs> yeah, like. But if I did it now, I would have had a chance to say that I was on the team. Um, yeah, you'd have did now. You'd have been perfect. I'm a football player, and I'd be like, what? <laughs> it must be JV. I would have got like, laid out every single game. But it's the same thing with basketball. Like, they were, I didn't train enough for basketball. They just liked me because I played defense, but I could never get the game. Same story here. Basketball was my, that was a tough one. I could get to the, I could get to the hoop. I could get to the hole. I I just couldn't finish because I had no left. Yeah. I had no left. And I just didn't train for it like that. So, yeah, I didn't have the fundamentals down. So I could shoot, but that was about it. That was it. Which is funny because now I, we were we were talking about at the beginning how it's now a shooting game, and it's like, damn, damn, I, I shot I, by like fifteen years. Yeah, <laughs> I've been shooting. I've been shooting fast break threes since I was a little boy. Like all of a sudden now, <laughs> I could have had a shot at it. We were born at the wrong time, brother. Right. So I always thought that was a good movie that shows it. It gives you. I hate to say this, it gives you a blueprint on how to be a masculine man. A quick blueprint on how to be a masculine man. We still talking about 300 or did we move to something else? No, that was it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. No, you're right, you're right. A quick blueprint, so we got to give that to our boys. We're like, look, this is what brotherhood looks And it was a big yeah. brotherhood. And that's, brotherhood. Yeah. Like, this is what fighting together looks like. And I always, when I play, when I coach sports, this is what fighting together looks like. You have your brother's exactly. back. Exactly. You predators like that. And I'm glad you said that because 300 was in my blind spot, but that's one of the few movies we have that does that, teaches you the importance of brotherhood, what your role in the brotherhood is and what everyone else has uh, got going on. Um, we need more stories like that because a lot of us don't know. To the point where you and I will meet men and they'll be like, oh, I have no guy friends. I only have female friends. And you're like, that means you have no friends. Yeah, you ain't got no brotherhood, man. And they, they make all these excuses. I'm like... If you get into a fight, she's not gonna throw down with you. She's just not. Um. With that being said, go ahead to your, your second one. Word, word. So, oh no, I'm on my third one now, and my third movie is one of my favorite movies of all time by one of my favorite directors, Martin Scorsese. We're gonna talk about Goodfellas, and I love my gangster movies because when I see gangster movies, I see immigration stories. And so I see myself in them because of that, because my family is from Haiti, came to America. What is it called again? Goodfellas. You ever watched that mafia movie from back in the day? I think it's like 1990. I have to check it out again. Uh, What's his name? Uh, Martin Scorsese is the director. He did Casino. He did 
what else did he do? He did Goodfellas. He did a lot of good movies back in the day, but he he does all the Italian movies that you're you're familiar with if you watch Italian gangster movies. Um, and he's just really good at getting the culture down. And so Goodfellas is a story about this guy. He wasn't a hundred percent Sicilian, but he was part of the mafia. And so he's not a made man, but he has all of the other perks that comes with being part of that. And the lifestyle is that you got to do certain jobs to, so that way you can bring in money for yourself and then everyone gets a cut because it's a family thing. It's a community thing. Everybody is always looking out for each other. And to the point where if like someone calls you out your name, you know, you got 10 brothers behind you ready to throw down. And then likewise, if there's a lick to hit, you got people that are ready to go do it with you. Everyone will get a cut. And this is a true story. This is a story about a man that was living this life and then to cover his own ass, he went into the witness protection program. So it's just, unfortunately, it's a story about a snitch. That's the part I don't like. That said, it gives you the way the story is told mm. is how men should start thinking about their lives and, and really oh. recognizing uh, there's this very famous scene where the camera follows him taking his girl out on a date. So he goes out, he does a double date with, with his friend and these two girls. He's just, you know, it's a pity date, right? So like he's just trying to help his brother get laid, build a relationship with this girl. And so it's like, all right, I'll be there, but I'm not really interested. So he's thinking about work. He's really excited about what he's about to do. And he has to pretend to be happy on this date, but he just doesn't do it. Girl gets pissed. So he's like, you know what? And he emb- embarrasses him in front of all of his guys. So he's like, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be rude. I just didn't think you were interested. How about this? Let me take you out another night. And when he, how he makes up for that date is how every man should always be thinking about himself. In the sense that I don't want you guys to run around trying to to get women, get female validation. I'm just saying he has his city on lock. So when he shows up to the nightclub, this is the Copacabana back in the day. It was like the spot in in New York, the hottest club in the city. And instead of going through the front door, he goes like, oh, no, I, I always go through this way. It's just nicer. And it, he gets special privileges. He goes through the back. Everybody knows his name. He's shaking hands like he's the mayor of the city. He's tipping people left and right the way you're supposed to. He's a proper gentleman. So not only does he have good relationships, but he takes care of those relationships. It's not just, hey, I'm the man. Give me respect. It's I pay tribute Bye. to you the same way that you help me, which is oh. why I'm getting this special treatment. So everyone has to wait in line hours to get a table. So he's going down. He goes like, oh, how do you know everybody? And he's like, oh, yeah, uh, I I just do this. I do that. And uh, this old guy is just someone I met at high school. And so this lady is enamored by it. She's like, who the hell is this guy? And that's how women should be around you. That's how your friends should be around you. And so you're walking down. You're going. He goes into the kitchen again. He's saying hi to everybody. They go. The place is packed. There is no table. And then the host says, don't worry, I got you covered. And they create a table for him. They pull out a table from who knows where, from the shadows. And they create a table. They got the candle or they got the lighting all set up. And they sit down and she's like, this is really fucking cool. I've never experienced any of this. She goes like, what do you do again? He goes like, oh, I'm in construction. He goes like, your hands don't feel like you're in construction. He goes like, oh yeah, I'm a union delegate, which is one of my favorite lines. Because <laughs> essentially he's just saying, I'm a gangster lady, just don't think about it. Uh, but that's essentially what you need to have. We were talking about the three Bs a while ago, and it's that same thing. Every man has the opportunity to create 
to basically become the mayor of his city where everybody knows him, everyone thinks highly of him, everyone thinks positively of him, and they go out of the way to treat him well, and he, in return, treats them well. And so that's just one scene, a lot of powerful lessons in like seven minutes. And the whole movie, you learn other things. It's like, always have your brother's back. If he's if his relationship with his girl is off, make sure he gets it correct, even if it means he has to leave the relationship. So there's a point where he's he's cheating. And he has a wife, it's not even his girlfriend, but his wife, he's cheating on his wife, having an affair. And they're like, we understand you got to do what you got to do, but be smart about it because this is your wife. If she starts talking, if she gets so mad at you that she goes to the cops, we're all fucked. So they have to sit him down and be like, get your shit right. And then those are the conversations you got to have with your boys, because if if one of y'all is fucking up, then it's going to affect everybody. Whether you're aware of it or not, that's just the way it is. We are all a community. That's why it's so important to vet who you invite into your life and to know that you're willing to go go toe-to-toe with them against the world. So like you and I, we vetted each other properly. Game recognized game. And I'm like, all right, cool. Even though we've never talked before, the way you talk, the way you move, the, the receipts you're showing me lets me know that we're on the same page. And now we're building a relationship and we know each other so well that it's like, yeah, if something goes down, if someone ever accuses you of anything, I'm not going to, I'm going to discredit it immediately because I know that's not you. I know who you actually are. Right. And then you got to have those kinds of bonds. And then the movie is all about that because that's what mafia life is like. It's not a bunch of people killing recklessly. It's about people preserving their culture, preserving their families. And, and yeah, you get to have a real good time if you're doing it right. Exactly. Yeah, I'm loving all these movies because they're they're all like building off of each other, and it just makes me want to watch all of them. I don't really watch a lot of movies these days, but I could easily watch all these movies back to back. Man. Um. All right. So it's a lot of movies that. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Let me see. It's a lot of movies, man. Let me see. All right. So my next one, right? Mm-hmm. We ain't talk about this yet. Cool. But you know, I can't leave that shit off my list, man. Oh, uh, what you got for us? Fight Club, man. Ah, uh, I do know this one. I do know that you like this one. Yep. Fight Club. Um. It just talks about it's just heavy on the duality mm-hmm. and how if you let one part of your um one part dominate dominate more than the other, you're headed down a hell of a road, a path of destruction. So like like I've been telling you, I got Greg and I got Alpha College. Mm-hmm. I have to balance those two personas <laughs> out hmm. wisely. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To actually function in this society. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Oh, um, I know it. I live it. You get My what dad I'm did not name me Poppy Knox. Exactly. So it's kind of like you got to use one to protect the other, but you cannot. Um, 
just get a get rid of one and keep the other. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um Fight Club is basically a man who was had uh dual personalities. One was very timid and depressed, and the other one was like, how can I say the best way? I don't give a fuck. I'm going to do what the fuck I want to do, and I'm going to create what the fuck I want to create. And I always said it was the alpha male versus the beta male. Hmm. The red pill versus the blue pill. The guy who was depressed was the blue pill guy because they told him he was following society standards and living in that corporate structure, and he was just unhappy um the guy who started fight club was also him right and um this guy basically knew what reality was uh wasn't mad or sad about it both of them knew what uh, the reality of the situation but one took lemon and made lemonades Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I I learned from that. And you know, both both personalities were still very kind of destructive. So he had to yeah. find. And that's one, why I don't like the movie because it's not yeah, it was two extremes. But basically, he had to find the, the personality that was depressed. Yeah. Uh, finally had enough strength. To overtake the um, crazy personality, well, the wild throw caution to the wind personality, Indeed. right? When you know, in actuality, all he had to do was take a little bit of this and a little bit of that. You know, it's kind of like when you're trying to cook. <laughs> you don't want to put too. You don't want to make food too spicy where it's burning your fucking tongue off. Yeah. So I look at. I do look at um, Fight Club as a good movie as far as duality goes for men to see two sides of an extreme coin, the alpha, the alpha male and the beta male. You get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. And we, and we you and I have had this conversation before. Uh, I like the way that you're talking about it now. Every time I see it, the more I see it, the more I dislike the story. However, the movie is a solid movie. It's uh, every it's, time you see it, the more you hate it. Yeah, because why? it doesn't. Why it, it doesn't drop so well that it just reminds me of how pathetic these characters are, and how if I met these people in real life, I'd be repulsed by them. I wouldn't want to be friends with them. However, the way the story is told is well done. The director David Fincher, he's really good at like taking ordinary situations and turning them into this bizarre uh circus and he does it really well i love the the guy as a director um but there are some stories that are told so well that you realize oh i don't like these people (laughs) um and they're not meant to be likable that's the point which is what, what you were getting at which is these are negative extremes that are depressing that we shouldn't want to emulate but it's a great poster for hey don't do this. Enjoy the movie, but don't be like this in real life because it doesn't get you anywhere. And it's, it's, we were just talking about the movie Goodfellas. It's almost like a mirror image. It's like if he took all those, those skills that he had and just applied it towards positive things in his life, he could have a great relationship with a great woman. 
he could be respected by everybody in town. And then Fight Club, he is respected by everyone in town, but he's not respect or he's respected by uh, the the delinquents of town. And it's like, yeah, but we could easily do that in a positive way. And I always want to give men those positive examples because a lot of men think that they have to be ordinary and that they can't be extraordinary because if you're extraordinary, it has to be in this Fight Club way. And I'm like, no, it could actually be in the Goodfellas way where people actually think of you as a good fellow and you're not actually a gangster, but they just see you as a good man. And, and, and that's why, so that's my, my take on it. Oh my goodness, man. Okay. Okay. I get it. I get it. <laughs> but I fuck what you talking about. Uh, that, that'd be the first when I went, you know what I'm saying? When I got to convert these beta males to alpha males, those be the first few that's gonna be one of the first movies i tell him to watch because you know the first time i seen it at the end that's when i realized oh my god this is the same fucking person <laughs> yeah and that's what i like about the movie and then once you watch it again then you be like all right i don't like this shit all right i get it that's that's why i said yeah. i get it but that first few times and once i explain it to people then they they usually see what the hell i'm talking about um, and then I love that because one of the things that I do with the people that I work with is show you how to, whether you're a man or a woman, I show you how to make a persona, how to make okay, like an yeah. ego so, superhero version of yourself. And that's what I, Fight Club is a great way to to teach that, to show that. Yeah, cause he, cause, and guess what? Um, I don't, I forgot. You know what? That movie is actually on my list. So let me shut up. I was about to say one of my favorite movie lines. Cool, cool. Then I'll say what I was going to say next, and then we'll we'll get into that one. My movie, uh, second to last on my list, is the movie Heat. I think this is about 96, director Michael Mann. And it's a story about discipline. The reason I like it, because it's all about discipline. And there are these several guys that have worked together. They're ex-military. They're ex-this and that. They have a special set of skills. And they spent some time, some of them have spent some prison time together, and they they rob banks. They rob, uh, what do you call it, armed trucks. What is it called? Heat. Heat. Yeah. I, I remember watching, I think I remember watching Heat. I got it. But keep oh, going. Yeah. Rewatch it again with a new lens, especially after this, because it's Robert De Niro plays the leader of the, the, the guys that are robbing armed trucks, armored trucks. And um, what do you call it? Uh, Al Pacino plays the detective trying to get catch these guys. And it gets so heated. The conflict is so intense that they realize that they're both very good at what they do. So Robert De Niro quickly figures out Al Pacino is on his tail. And Al Pacino knows that he knows. And they know each, that each other knows. And they're playing games with each other along the way. Because the idea is that I'm a detective. I have to catch you in the act. It doesn't matter that I know you're doing it. I have to prove that you're doing it. Catch you in the act, take you down by the book. And Robert De Niro, because he's so disciplined and he's sophisticated, not only is he aware that they're on his tail, but now he starts tracking them and he's humiliating them at their own game. And it goes like that back and forth. There's this powerful scene and in the middle of the movie, closer to the end where they actually go out and have coffee together. Al Pacino pulls him over on the highway because they've been chasing him for a few miles. He hasn't committed any crime, but they recognize, all right, we know what car he drives, we know who he is. Al Pacino drives up to him, 
He said, uh, how about we get off at the next exit? Let's go grab some coffee. And Robert De Niro's like, oh, that's a terrible idea. In his mind, you can see it. He's like, that's a terrible idea. But you know what? Let's do it anyway. And they have this famous scene that's world-renowned, uh, critically acclaimed, where you have the robber and the cop face-to-face. They're both the, at the best at, at what they do, top of their game, peak condition. And they're swapping war stories with each other. And they're talking about their battle scars. So the cop is talking about how I have nightmares of all the men, of all the crime scenes I've been to. And, and some of the men that I had to kill in the line of duty. Because if it wasn't me, if it wasn't them, it was going to be me. And I got to go home. And my wife wants to divorce me. This is the second time it's happening because she doesn't get it. I can't tell her wow. things. I can't tell her about what I'm Man, doing. Gotta watch this it's dope. And then Robert De Niro goes like, yeah. And he's talking about his stories. And he's just like, yeah, this is just what I do. I'm really good. I'm fucking good at what I do. And I've never been caught. And I'm never going to get caught. And if it comes down to it, and it's just you and me, I'm taking you down. But you are, or you're taking me down. But I am not going to prison. And, and, and it's this heated conflict where you recognize that both of these men are righteous. They're so righteous that they're so disciplined that that's the reason why they're good at their game. And it's not because you, you have to live your life one way or another as a man. It's that whatever you do, do it righteously. And, and I, I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this before, but I'm always reminding people to do things righteously. Don't just do it because someone told you to do it. Don't just do it because you felt like doing it. Do it because uh, someone the other day asked me, why do I smoke cigars? And I'm like, or no, they said, um, should I smoke cigars? Yes or no. And I'm like, well, first off, that's the wrong answer. If you like smoking cigars, smoke cigars. If you like smoking weed, smoke weed. If you like smoking whatever, but do it because you want to do it. Not because you're trying to look cool. Not because you're trying to be like someone else. Not because you're trying to impress or get inside a certain network. Do it because you want to do it. So when people question you, why do you smoke cigars? You can say, because I want to, and I don't give a fuck. And if you can't answer with that kind of conviction, if you can't answer with that kind of, uh, what I, again, what I call righteousness, then you're imitating. You're not living your life. You're being a part of someone else's machine. And so I love the movie Heat. It's a slower movie. So it's not fun and exciting in those ways that we're talking about explosions happening left and right. But you see a bunch of men living a disciplined life. And the only time any of the men get in trouble is when they stop applying the discipline. So it's a powerful lesson. And then in 2022, August 2022, they came out with a, a sequel to it, but not a movie, it's a book that goes deeper into who these men are, how they became who they are, and, and continues the story while also being showing you their background. Heat. I love that movie. I actually talked about it for four hours on uh, my friend's podcast. What's it called? Red Smoke. So if anyone wants to look that up, we watched the movie in real time and I broke it down scene by scene. Great fucking movie. All right. All right, bro. Um, I think I did my five, right? Uh, if you... One, two, three, four. Oh, I got one more movie. So I don't know if you did your five, but I still got one more to go. I'm trying to figure out if I did my five. Cause, 
I think you have one. Three hundred. He said blade. Three hundred blade, and then you said any given Sunday, and then you said Fight Club. I think you have one more because you started us off. I think you have one more. What's your last one gonna be? And we'll save all the rest for another episode. Ah man, this is a tough one, but uh, I'm gonna give you the Holy Grail, where. For my red pill fans, Matrix. <laughs> Literally, the red pill. We can talk. We can have about five episodes on the Matrix movies alone. Um, we not gonna do that. Yeah. We're not gonna fucking Matrix this shit out. I don't want. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But red pill, blue pill. What? It's it's. We always get fed red pills because once you find out the truth, you can't untruth yourself. You can't unsee it. Once you once you see it, you see it. Exactly. That's why people don't want to see it in the that's, place. That's why I always say red pill ruin the red pill will ruin a lot of movies for you. You sure you want to move? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. The way I watch movies now versus the way I did before yeah. I understood how things work. Yeah. Once you start to come into a full understanding of a man and the society you're in and how they setting you up to be a bitch, um everything you consume on that TV. It's probably engineered toward you being emasculated some way, somehow. Mm-hmm. Even the goddamn um, relationships we're in. <laughs> we're going to jump into that anyway. All right, all right. All right. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's all I got to say. That's it? That's all you got to say on The Matrix? <sighs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to say this. I think it's a great movie. I'm not the biggest fan of the following two, but the more that people are talking about the Matrix in the public uh, in the public sphere, so like for instance, uh, what do you call it? Andrew Tate as a character, he's been talking about the Matrix more and more over the past year, and he recently was banned off of all the social media, and it makes me want to rewatch those movies and give them more credit. Uh, the second and third one are just hard for me to watch, but the first one is solid. It, it's all yeah, about it, it's basically the story of Genesis and, and so when I when I think of the movie I think of the Bible in so many different ways and it's one of my favorite books one of my favorite movies and it's really like this is what the world is it's all a simulation and all that matters are the choices that you make so and then we get to the fundamental choices are you going to live with the truth or are you going to live with the lie red pill blue pill and if you are a man of God, you're always going to take the truth, no matter how difficult and how dark it may be, because at least you see things for what they are. And, and in the Bible, Jesus said, be of this, live in this world, but don't be of it. So recognize that you're in the matrix, but never get caught up in it. And that's why that, that one scene with the character Cypher, where he's like, I'm eating this steak, but I know it's all pixels and bullshit. But I still like the taste of it, and I still enjoy it. And it's like, even though I know it's fake, I would rather have this. And there are a lot of people that are caught up in this fake reality of what the world is. The world is just this one big lie played on by the devil, orchestrated by the devil. And it's like, we have a choice. You can still live in that world because you have no other choice. But it's like how you move through it, you can be like Neo. You can realize how magnificent you are. Because if you pay attention to the movie, he never changes himself. He just recognizes the power that was always within him. 
to the point where you can look at that movie again and be like, was he really the one or did Morpheus bullshit him enough to think that he was the one and start, start behaving like he was the one? And maybe Trinity was the one or maybe it was another character or maybe they're all the one. But at the end of the day, the movie is about choices. I love it. And especially like the last 20 minutes, it really comes together and it's just like, fuck, this is dope. Yeah, man. You can't un- once you see it, you can't unsee it. Not at all. Not at all. Now that's cool. So I'm gonna do my last one. We'll wrap it up. My last one is I think one of the last great movies ever made in terms of masculinity. We're not gonna see movies like this ever again. And the movie is the thirteenth warrior. Came out in nineteen ninety-nine and since then I can't think of another movie that is on this level and important for men to watch young boys especially and all the movies that we both named i think young boys really need it uh, as young as seven if not older if they're ready for the material but there isn't a single movie that i that we named that i wouldn't share with a seven-year-old boy or even my own seven-year-old self and the 13th warrior is great whether you're a man or you're a young boy coming into himself to recognize that you don't know shit until you've done the work and you you don't know shit until you've done the work with other people that know everything and and so the 13th warrior is about a man he was a poet a romantic guy and he was one of those dumb guys that he loved loved and he fell in love with this woman that he shouldn't have fallen in love with because it was the king's wife and he's arabic so it was the sultan's wife and the sultan found out and what the guy never really talked about is how lucky he was because if you were if any man caught you with his wife he would kill you let alone the sultan who could do whatever he wanted to he could torture you every day give you blood transplants and keep you alive so he could just torture you the next week so it's like this guy was very fortunate all he did was exile nothing more and so he's exiled to go into the world with his a friend that's translating for him And then one day he comes across some Vikings and these Vikings don't speak the same language as him. And then their witch doctor comes out and says, hey, there's a mission and 12 of you need to volunteer to be part of it and then go help this village. And they start drawing who's going to be the volunteer. And then the witch doctor, she's looking at her bones and she goes like, we need a 13th warrior, but he can't be part of your tribe. And then the guy, he's like, well, what is she saying? Can you translate? And, and he translated and he goes like, oh, the, who's it going to be? And he's the only man in the room that's not part of their tribe. And so he's per, he's unintentionally the volunteer. And so it's about him adapting to the Viking culture. Damn. Exactly. And so he's a guy that has never fought. Now he's hanging out with warriors. And now he's one of those warriors. This is a man that has a different type of horse because he, he's a different type of man. He's he doesn't know anything to the point where he doesn't even know their language. So he goes out on this journey with these 12 men and it's all the things he has to do to adapt and to present himself and say assertively, even though I don't know everything, this is what I do know. And this is what I can add. So he has to learn how to fight better. Um, And there are all these little moments that are so special. There's this one moment where they're sitting around the campfire talking in Viking language, Norwegian we'll say. And he listens and he learns their language by listening, which is a powerful lesson that if you sit down, whenever you enter a new room, instead of talking and blabbing, read the room, get to know who's there, who is the leader, 
who is the follower, who's smart, who's dumb. Before you say something, get a feel for the language and then assert yourself in it. And and they're impressed by that. They're like, oh, you really did listen. Thank you. Since you learned our language, can you teach us your language? And he does that. And the king tests him in different ways to see if he's bullshitting him or not. It's really clever. Uh, there's this one part where they get off the ship and they're going towards the village. And he goes like, this is your sword. And he throws it to him. He goes like, oh, it's heavy. He goes like, grow stronger. Because that's what it is. Life is going to throw things at you that are too much to handle. But guess what? If you train, you will be able to handle them. And we live in a world, a modern society that says, if something is too hard, don't do it. It's okay to not do it. It's okay to be weak. You don't need to go to the gym and, and train stronger. Girls don't like you. It's okay. Here's a fake girl on the internet. Look at her. Look at her tits. Jack off to this. So uh, as the movie goes on, you learn different things and to the point where he's like, all right, I see your ways and I appreciate them. But because I am a different man, I need to do things slightly different. So even though this sword, I can train to use it, I created my own sword. So he fabricates his own sword in his own cultural style. And because it's from his heritage, it actually makes sense. And he's more deadlier with it than trying to pretend to be like them. So there are all these little lessons as you go. And it's something that all young boys should see because that's exactly what they're going to go through time and time again in different stages of their life. They always need to be prepared. They always need to be training. They always need to be listening before they speak. And when they do speak, they have to say something of substance that helps everybody in the context the 13th warrior i think it's the last great movie about masculinity and brotherhood yeah um i gotta check out the 13th warrior yeah i don't even know where to find it but it's a hard one to find most people don't even know it existed i didn't know it existed it's based on a book but the movie is kind of better Oh yeah. Um, with that being said, bro, yeah, we're gonna have to wrap this up. I got a couple consultations to do tonight. <laughs> Ooh, I hope I didn't keep you. So yeah, we'll oh man, yeah, I pushed it back a little bit. I didn't even know we went over time like that. But uh um, yeah, this is our longest episode for sure. <laughs> yeah, man, we had some <laughs> but it's totally worth it. It made me think of some things. There's some movies I gotta check out. And and like I said, we're going to do this more often, uh, I know for sure, because there's no master list, but we could create a list and just keep going. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely got to do that. So anyway, man, when I do find some masculine shit to watch, I'll make sure uh, people know it. Indeed, indeed. I dig it. But be well. We'll leave it at that. Another great episode. That's a wrap. And now I got more work to do because I got to go check out some of these movies. All right, bro. (laughs) Yes, sir. This not tea. It's protein. Amen. Always making moves. Let me go ahead and get on these five. I mean, consultations. All right. Always making moves. I like that. I like that. Peace.